0: It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at OwenElyMN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Monday, March 8th. As we look to recap, UFC 259 Blahovich versus Adesanya. And it's great to be back with you guys here on another Mailman Monday. A Mailman Monday. Mail will be delivered this Monday, really, on Saturday. But, you know, the mailman starting off here with really the, the, the A-list talker here. You know, the mailman uh, is champ once again. Uh, dominant performance from the Mailman. If I do say so myself, uh, I beat Reagan Hooverman in the main card showdown, 50 to 46. Uh, I'm now a seven-time champion. Another knockout. You know, just keep adding to the record books here for the Mailman. Fantastic, fantastic. You know, I really never sort of lost the belt when I did. Uh, you know, I learned my I learned my lesson not to bet on female fights on the main card showdown, or uh, well, maybe betting's not the right term here in the state of Minnesota, but picking female fights against another uh, opposite female fight in the main card showdown that normally results in a 10-7 against me. Uh, but no, this one was great. I think I think I started off with a 10-7. Uh, I definitely started off with a 10-7. Almost had a 10-7 in round two, which would have been a round two knockout, but uh, that was the Makachev and Dober fight. If, if Islam took that to a decision, it would have been a ten-seven. Would have I could have broke the fucking record because I had a good rest of the night too. So, I mean, I I could have won fifty to forty. You know what I mean? It, it could have been a could have been a dominant night for the mailman even more so than it was. Uh, we had an upset in the co-main event: uh, Peyton the Panda, Kelsa. Uh, defeats Drew Peterson 49 to 48 so a tough one for tough one for Drew you know kind of proving he never was the real champ you know what I mean loses to a guy like Peyton you know it, it's whatever man that you know my situation is very similar to the uh, the featured bout on, on this card but we'll get to that in a minute uh we had a win for for Francis pretty dominant over Rick uh Rick is just not He's not finding uh, solid footing. He's not really quite understanding the game. Or, I mean, I guess he does. He understands it more than fucking Baus or people like this. He knows how to put the picks in. But, uh, yeah, when I saw him pick Megan Anderson by, I think, round two TKO, uh, I knew that was an easy win for the WRFW legend Francis. And then we had two draws between Captain and Steve and Jerry and Jordan. Very tough stretch stretch for Jordan. I think... He was 6-2 and two at one point, so in his last four appearances, he is winless. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody picks prelim fights between, you know, those four people, so sometimes it goes to a draw. That's whatever. Um, Big-time performance for Steve Young, I'll tell you that much, because even though it was a draw, it was not a win. Uh, if he lost that, he would have had the longest losing streak in main card showdown history. Uh, now it's snapped, which is kind of disappointing. I mean, he broke the losing streak, albeit kind of by a technicality with a draw. Um, but his non-winning streak is still intact. That's another thing we keep track of. So uh, he's not out of the woods yet, okay? He's not out of the woods yet. I mean, just a disastrous, uh, you know, six-fight stretch for uh, the Stillwater Stallion. Um I think that's all we have for the main card showdown. Probably going to be me and Peyton for the belt um next Saturday, but I mean who knows. I'm not I'm I'm non-committal with with Payton. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um yeah, we had a lot of changes in the rankings. I suppose I suppose I'll get to them when we talk about the fights, but I kind of I kind of want to just dive into it right now. I'll see if there's any rankings changes that did not involve fights at 259 because i know there was at least one or two um because i do it's a lot i mean it probably was a record-breaking performance for our rankings in terms of just the sheer number of changes that we would have to make um i suppose we can start here in the heavyweight division there were no heavyweight fights no ranked heavyweight fights at 259 but we did have a lot of changes in the rankings Obviously, the UFC releasing Alistair Overeem and Junior Dos Santos. We had uh, Overeem at 7 and JDS at 11. So, obviously, a lot of people moved up one or two spots. Uh, so, uh, 7 through 15 is now Walt Harris, Chris Dawkus, Alexio Linick, Augusto Sakai, Shamil Akimov, Marcin Tabura, Tom Aspinall goes from 15 to 13, and then back in the rankings, uh, he, he was in the rankings maybe a few months ago for us. Uh, but Blagoj Ivanov is now number 14. And I had a tough time with number 15 because I just always have a tough time with number 15 in the heavyweight division. It's such a shallow division. I, I put Sergei Spivak at 15. I, I understand you maybe can make the case for other fighters. Uh, he, he has had a couple of losses, but he, he's a very active guy. And I think he's riding a two-fight winning streak. Has, has some low-key difficult fights. So, you know, he's not firmly entrenched there at number 15. But I'll give him some shine there, uh, putting him in the rankings. Um, some changes at light heavyweight that I'm not going to get to until we reach the fight. Welterweight, lightweight. A lot in the bantamweight, a lot in the flyweight. <laughs> we actually did have a change in the women's featherweight division rankings because uh, we actually keep those. Um, yeah, and then the rest of them were all resulting from um, 259's performances, so we'll get to them as they become relevant. Uh, but with that, we will uh, begin this recap here in the main event. It was a unanimous decision victory for Poland's Jan Blachowicz over Israel Adesanya, and um, I told you guys so. I told you guys so. I picked Jan all week. Really, since this fight was announced, I said Jan Blahovich was going to win this fight. So, you know, you can all send your apologies to uh, my uh, DMs at uh, Owen the Mailman or Owen Ely MN I mean, whatever. Or NorthstarSportsMIN or, you know, fucking any of the Twitter accounts that are associated with this show. Um, but, yeah, I-, I told you guys. I told Drew. He didn't believe me. Uh, now, I have been wrong. Uh, you know, I'll, I'm not saying I'm a fucking soothsayer. You, you know what I mean? I, I, I also said that Justin Gaethje was going to beat uh, Khabib. So I am, you know, I am wrong. Uh, I'll say when I'm wrong, but I'm definitely going to tell you when I'm right. And I said, Jan Blavich is going to win. You guys are counting him out. You know, I'm not trying to pull an Ariel Helwani here, you know what I mean, where I'm best friends with every single fucking person that I talk about. But you can go back, look at the tapes, Okay, you can go back and look at the tapes like they're the fucking Zapruder film, and you're going to see that. I've been saying Jan Blachowicz, uh was going to beat Izzy. Uh, you know, I, I just thought it. And was it the most exciting fight in the world? Uh, probably not. Probably not. You know, they, they were both a little tentative. They were both very respectful. You know, sometimes that's nice to see. You know, they were respectful in how they fought each other. You know, they respected the, the strengths of each other, but they were also disrespectful in, in general. You know, I, I love a good rivalry as much as anybody, probably more so than the average person. But you know, it's kind of nice to see, uh, you know, one main event where we don't need trash talking. So, uh, no, that that was a great performance. I mean, uh, the the size definitely was an advantage on the ground. Um, you know, I, I've been saying a lot of people told me that Izzy has been improving on the ground, which I'm, I'm sure he has. But that's all. You know, that's that's always going to be his weakness, and that's not because. That's not because he can't ever fix it. It's just you know his striking's always going to be his advantage, and uh, you know Jan's not exactly known as a grappler, but you know he had, well, he probably had like six or seven minutes of of ground control time, and uh, uh, you know really was putting him on, putting it on Israel in round number five. Now there is a little bit of controversy, not not really though, with the scorecards, and, and the reason why I say not really is because whether or not you thought there were 10 8s scored in this fight it was very uh, well very obvious it was it was clear that Jan won won the fight whether or not Jan won it 48 47 or whether or not he won it 49 45 like some of the judges had it they they got the right guy okay nobody disputes that well <laughs> i mean maybe some of the crack smokers on twitter you know might might think that izzy won the fight y- you know what i mean cuz he's their anime god or whatever but Uh, You know, to to anybody with a brain, the the right guy won. You know, if if you want to critique the scoring, listen, I don't think there was a 10-8 in that fight. I I think the the fifth round is probably your best argument for a 10-8 for Jan. I mean, he took him down, he, he controlled him, dominated him. Uh, during the second half of, of the round was landing some good shots. I think maybe if he, if he landed the takedown a minute earlier and there was a minute more of ground control time and, and some, some good old-fashioned GNP, then, yeah, I think there's a 10-8. But if you're asking me if I think it was a 10-8, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I just think it was a 10-9. But obviously, you have to give the last two rounds to Jan Blahovic And honestly... The first three rounds were actually a little tough to to score. Like, I don't know who won the first round. You know what I mean? Like, I suppose I could look at the stats, but, you know, that's the thing. When you're scoring uh, fights, you don't you don't have the stats. You just go off of your eye. So I wasn't, you know, sitting there with a fucking pen and paper, you know, scoring significant strikes and shit like that. You know, I was just watching it like a judge would. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, if, if you wanted to say Jan won two of those first three rounds and ended up winning this fight 49-46... I wouldn't argue with you. I, I, you know, I think Izzy was. Um, I think he was a little bit hesitant, and you know, for for someone who is uh, a counter striker, I mean, sometimes that that can present problems. You know, really, the big concern for me in this fight, you know, in the lead up was, well, Jan's been on a hell of a tear, but I think he's like eight and one in his last nine fights or something like that. Let's look at that one loss, okay? It was to to Tiago Santos, and the finishing sequence, he got knocked out because he was running forward and throwing punches a little bit wildly, and Santos caught him. Well, look at Israel Adesanya and what he's done to a guy like, uh, you know, say Robert Whittaker, where he's very flexible. He can move backwards. He can lean back out of range without even moving his feet if he doesn't want to. And you look at that finishing sequence on Robert Whittaker, leaning back throwing a winging fucking half uppercut half hook whatever the shovel hook whatever the hell you want to call it I don't know the technical term but uh you know so that that was my concern if Jan wanted to be a little bit too aggressive at times you know he could be susceptible uh to getting caught but I thought he had a brilliant game plan you know he was blasting those leg kicks to the body you know he kicks like a mule and uh you know, the, the, the guy just has very solid fundamentals. And, and not that Israel Adesanya doesn't. But, you know, there's... I'm not going to say two distinct styles, because that's not what I'm trying to get at. But, I mean, aesthetically, they're on, they're on two different sides of the spectrum. You know, Izzy is flowing, and he's long and wiry and kind of weird. And, you know, his movement is, is uh, incredible. And then Jan... At, at times, he can look a little rigid and stiff. He's not aesthetically pleasing when he fights, but he's sure as fuck effective. And, uh, you know, this this was a big one for him. You know, um, a, a lot of the times you see these, these fighters and they start to get on a roll. And it's almost like every single win they have on their on their winning streak is just exponentially better. You know what I mean? Where it, it's like, um, so you, you knock out Luke Rockhold okay it was a weight class up but that's a that's a former world champion not just in the UFC but in Strike Force and then Jacare, you know he's he's a legend and then you you really get a highlight level or a highlight real KO over over Corey Anderson and then you beat a guy who supposedly put Jon Jones uh to the brink and then you beat the middleweight champion so it's just like every single win he's getting is just three times better than the last one i mean this guy's trajectory is just you know, insane. It's kind of it's kind of crazy how these these wins can just stack up on each other, and it's almost like it's a it's a multiplier for greatness. Um, you know, so one hell of a performance by Jan, and you know, for Izzy, uh, you know, a loss is a loss. Um, it, it it takes a little bit of the shine off of him in general, but you know, at at the same time, you know, like you said, dare, dare to be great, and I'm I'm the last person to defend you know Israel. Adesanya, you know, the last cringe bender, but you know, like you said, it's true. I mean, nobody, I, nobody faults him for, for moving up and, and giving it a shot. And you know what I mean? Uh, he, you know, he, he tried his best. Maybe he could have been a little bit more active, but, uh, you know, he's at the end of the day, he's still the middleweight champion. He didn't lose it all. He only had something to gain. He didn't really have something to lose. You know, I suppose if he got fucking flatlined, uh, you know, then, then I guess, you know, I guess you lose something there, probably some brain cells, but you know, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, he definitely was not a true light heavyweight. Maybe we try this again in a couple of years if he can still continue to be dominant at middleweight. Uh, but I, I think this puts to rest the talking point of him fighting John Jones. That's fucking crazy. I said that was crazy uh, years—well, he's only been in the UFC for three years, but— Months ago, you know, many months ago, I said that's, cr- that's absolutely insane. John Jones would work. John Jones would would pick up Israel Adesanya and just rip him in half like the, the, the fucking big guy in Deadpool does to to Deadpool, the, you know, the, the Vanquisher or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, it would not even be close. I mean, John Jones is a very very fucking big light heavyweight and probably never going back down to light heavyweight because you know he's putting on the the, the mass to go to heavyweight, so I, I don't think that'll ever happen. If it does, it will go very, very badly, but, but again, that's, you know what I mean? The, the, there's a reason why there's weight classes, you know? I'm sure Dom Cruz would lose to Francis Ngannou, but, you know, we don't hold that over Dom Cruz's head because you know, they're many weight classes apart, you know what I mean? And obviously I'm being hyperbolic, but I'm talking about a middleweight versus, you know, w- w- someone who now is a true heavyweight, so, I mean, whatever we can put that to to rest for Izzy um I know he wants to fight Darren Till I think that's stupid he has to fight Robert Whitaker uh assuming Robert Whitaker wins but he should have fought Whitaker before I mean they're they're making they're making him just go through the fucking ringer to get back to that title title fight even though he's only ever lost once at middleweight and it was to Izzy that would, that would do big money down there in uh, Australia, do another stadium show or something like that. And then for Jan, you know, it's Glover, and I know that's not super flashy, but, you know, he's the rightful number one contender. I mean, maybe maybe something happens, maybe an injury happens, God forbid, you know, because you know, Glover's put in, his, put in his time and he doesn't have a whole lot of it left. You know, maybe rack just somebody to probably keep your, your eye on, but uh, you know what I mean? Like I, like I said, you know, and, and if Izzy had beaten Jan, the number one thing that would have kind of rubbed me the wrong way is people who would have said, well, Jan Blachowicz was just a fucking paper champion. He was, he was a belt holder, but he wasn't a champ. Uh, he was a guy who got lucky and backed his way into the title. No, 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 no. Even if Jan lost, he was legitimately the champion. He had a tough road to get there, beat a lot of good fighters. Who gives a fuck if he was two and four? you know, know, like, uh, like Brendan Schaub or whatever, as if, as if anybody gives a fuck what Brendan Schaub has to say about anything, by the way, but talking about, uh, well, you know, he started off two and four and, you know, trying to imply that, you know, somehow that, uh, you know, impacts what he's doing right now. It has nothing to do with anything that he's doing right now. Just fucking whatever. I don't have, I don't have the lack of brain cells it would take to comprehend you know stupid shit like that but i think it's it's very good Jan seems like a fucking great guy so he's an easy guy to root for i don't know how anybody could root against him and I, this this legitimizes him in the mass public's eye i mean you know, mass public's an interesting way to put it but you know maybe in some of the casual fans eyes you know it's Hey, I mean, we've heard of Izzy. We know how good he is. So, I mean, Jan must be the real deal. Yeah, well, he is the real deal. Okay, so I don't. He's he's 38. So I'm not trying to make it seem like he's gonna he's gonna go on a seven-year fucking title defense. But yeah, he could defend the belt a, a few more times. You know what I mean? He's he's he, Jan Blachowicz. Without a shadow of a doubt, right now is the best light heavyweight on the planet. Without a doubt, he he he's number one. Uh, until he until he loses, you know, the, it's only question marks. It's only, well, what would happen if Rakic faced Blahovic? Well, we'll probably find out soon enough. But as it stands right now, yeah, Blahovic. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, what if he fought Ankalayev? What if he fought Yuri Prohaska? Well, we'll probably find out. You know, maybe, but. Uh, As it stands right now, and and again, the reason I say definitively is because obviously John Jones is not a currently active light heavyweight. Obviously, if he was in the division, you know things would be a little bit different. Okay, I mean, I would obviously pick my boy JBJ. Okay, but he's not—he's not a factor anymore. Okay, and I don't uh, like—I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but it's all meat and potatoes here. But I don't like people saying. John Jones would still be the champion if he wanted to stay at light heavyweight. Therefore, Jan Blahovich is not legitimate or he's a paper champ. You're, you're not incorrect, but I think that's a really stupid way of looking at things because he's not... He's not. He vacated the belt. He moved up. He's not at light heavyweight. And I think it's kind of stupid. Not that you have to grade fighters on a curve, but... If you compare anybody to John Jones, they're not going to stand up to the rigors of that test. So, well, D.C. never would have been champion if John Jones had 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 fucked up outside of the octagon. You're probably right, but but he did. Uh, you know, if, if John wanted to stay here, Izzy wouldn't be champ. Champ. Yeah, you're you're probably right, but even if you even if you want to play this game, like. Uh, uh, with like GSP or something even somebody as great as GSP who's probably the second best fighter of all time is not going to stand up to the to the the challenge of comparing him to the number 1 fighter of all time John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time by a, a, a thousand miles okay so if you want to compare fighters to John Jones, that's fine, but have a little bit of perspective. Nobody's going to stand up to to the legacy of John Jones. So to to sit here and, and shit on somebody else's legacy because it's not going to stand up to his, yeah, Stipe's legacy doesn't stand up to John Jones. Fucking Fedor's doesn't stand up to John Jones. Nobody's does. He's the fucking best of all time. So, you know, it, it's an interesting talking point. It it deserves some comparison. You know, you're, you're not exactly wrong, but again, it's just like, okay, I mean, fucking Victor Oladipo is a very good basketball player, but yeah, he's a shithead compared to Michael Jordan. Yeah, well, okay, maybe you're right, but it's Michael fucking Jordan. Nobody's ever done it better than him, so you know what I mean? Like, wow, that, you know, this, this all-star team fucking sucks compared to Michael Jordan. Well, okay, like... <laughs> Whatever, man. I guess. You know what I mean? So, that's kind of how I uh, I look at that. Uh, moving on very quickly to the uh, co-main event. Oh, excuse me. So, uh, I, I will talk about the, the rankings here for a second. Obviously, the light heavyweight and middleweight rankings do not uh, change because of this fight. But the pound-for-pound pound does. We had a lot of changes to the pound-for-pound... Pound. Um Actually, shit, you know, I, I'm gonna save this for after the bantamweight fight, because that did have some pound-for-pound uh, implications, so my apologies for, uh, uh, blue-balling you. Um, yeah, but Amanda Nunes wins via a inverted triangle arm bar on Megan Anderson. I know what that is now, because I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so basically, you know, basically I'm a black belt already, you know what I mean? So, not really, but, uh, yeah, no, that was that was a very easy night at the office for Amanda Nunes, and it really makes you wonder how long is she gonna do it? Megan Anderson, I, I, I've been known to be a little bit negative at times. Okay, I don't want to be negative uh, unless I'm being fair, and I kind of think I'm being fair here. Megan Anderson is not a UFC fighter. She's a, she exists in a division that is non-existent. It's made up. It's fabricated. It was built for Chris Cyborg. She's no longer there. The only reason that division still exists is because of Amanda Nunes. If Amanda Nunes decided to retire, I don't think that division uh, would exist. I, I think with Megan Anderson being on the last fight of her contract, and I don't think Felicia Spencer has too many more fights on her contract, they probably could just close out the division. I, I You know, Megan Anderson is not a UFC fighter. She had two wins over two complete nobodies and i mean that as respectfully as possible with you know respect to what they could possibly do in the in the future in regards to their careers you know maybe they maybe they make me know their names okay but uh you know this was the biggest mismatch ever in a title and it played out exactly how i thought it would play out Uh, i will give her credit i didn't i did not think she would make it three minutes i did not and I figured it would have been a knockout. It could have been a knockout, but Amanda Nunes was nice and decided to uh, choke her out. And, yeah, I don't know. Amanda Nunez has completely cleaned out 135 and 145. I don't think there's any more challenges for her. I think uh, I, th- I think she might retire. I think the Shevchenko fight is interesting, especially because it's my personal opinion that Shevchenko won the second fight, so really it's one a piece in my mind. But other than that, like, I, I know Juliana. Juliana Pena was calling out Amanda Nunes. Okay, you might be next in line, but you know, is anybody fucking excited about that? I don't think so. So you know, it's it, it's it's just I don't know. It's she, she's she's kind of cursed by her own greatness and the lack of the UFC to build you know legitimately um, top heavy and deep and or relevant female divisions. Um, I, I think that I think they're trying at 115 and 125. I think I think 125 will be a really nice uh, division champ through 15 in you know maybe 18 months to two years. I think there's a lot of nice pieces, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing you got to remember. I mean, the 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 bantamweight division for females has only been around since 2013. I mean, you know, strawweights have only been around since 2015. Flyweights have only been around since 2017. So, you know what I mean? We're still in... Well, in regards to... And then fucking featherweights didn't become a thing until, geez, I don't know, two weeks ago. So, um, we're still in 2001. Not even. We're still in the 90s compared to where the males were at this time. You know, eight years... Uh, eight years into the UFC, it was 2001. And that's for bantamweights. I mean, you know, so just kind of like I said the 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 time frame there for the other division so you know I I don't know I don't care what's next for Megan Anderson I think they'll probably cut her I I I really really don't think that she's a a UFC fighter and uh, I mean the 145 doesn't even have rankings we have rankings we moved her down from number one to number two Felicia Spencer up from two to one Um, but yeah I I really don't have a whole lot to, to to say on this other than I don't know if we're gonna see. I mean, if Amanda Nunes really wanted to, I don't think she's that old. She must be like 31. Okay, she's 32. Probably could do this for another three, four years and just set records that will never, never be fucking broken on the female side of things, or shit, even on the male side of things. Maybe. I mean, fuck. She's, you know, racking up the title defenses in, in two different divisions. So that's, you know, that's impressive. Uh, but point being, I, I, don't, I don't know what's next for Nunez, probably Pena, but it's just I have no appetite to see her fight uh, anybody. I, I just really don't unless it's Shevchenko, and I don't think they'd go that way. I think I think they'd probably sooner go Wei Li Zhang versus Shevchenko than Shevchenko back to, to 135. All right, moving on here, we have a very interesting fight here. Uh, for the Bantamweight Championship of the World, Aljamain Sterling is your new Bantamweight Champion, winning via a disqualification due to an illegal knee from Pyotr Jan. Uh, fuck, man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. And uh, it's got a lot of people uh, hot and in a tizzy. Is that a saying? Up in a tizzy? I don't know these old people sayings something with a tizzy people are feeling very tizzy about this fight I don't know what that means, but Uh, i'm feeling a little tizzy and I don't even know what it means about about this fight, you know, it's just You know All Jermaine sterling doesn't want to win via a dq I'm, I would fucking guarantee Piotr jan doesn't want to lose his belt because of a fucking illegal knee I'm sure the ufc is not thrilled about it that you know now we have, uh in some people's eyes a paper champion who won due to a technicality now i don't necessarily share that opinion and i'll get more into that in a minute but it's just a bad look all around i think looking at the silver linings uh the silver lining from a thirty thousand foot view on this one uh there will be a rematch okay i guarantee that and you have a storyline there's a storyline here these two guys kind of hated each other before this uh before this fight, you know, in the lead-up and stuff like that, I can't imagine how much Aljamain Sterling fucking hates Pyotr Jan now for, you know, trying to take his head off when he was grounded. So, uh, controversy's good, controversy's good, you know, like they say, there's no such thing as bad publicity, you know what I mean? And, uh, I really feel that's true with very, very, very few exceptions. Any publicity is good. So, okay, people are mad. It's You know, whatever, it's fine. You, you have the right to feel however you feel. But, I, you know, they will run this one back, and we will get to the bottom of it. Uh, unfortunately for Aljamain, I, you know, I, fa- I slightly favored Piotr Jan to win this fight, and after watching how it played out, I would pretty heavily pick Piotr Jan in the rematch. I, I just think up until that point... Uh, Piotr Jan was too much for Aljamain Piotr Jan was taking down a wrestler in Aljamain, he was, he dumped him on his fucking neck, uh, that really made me cringe, I mean you know what I mean, like, we could have we had a fucking Rose Nami-Yunes, uh Jessica Andrade situation there so, and, and then just in the striking, you know, Aljamain was touching him, but especially in, in the later parts of round three, and definitely in round four Piotr Jan was just clocking him in the head. And props to Aljamain, because he was eating it like, you know, a fucking bowl of cereal, but uh, he was clocking him, man. Really in I, I really think Piotr Jan either would have finished Aljamain in the fifth round, or he just would have won a pretty convincing decision. I'm not going to get into scorecards. I, I wasn't actively keeping score, but Piotr Jan would have won if it went to the final to the final bell, barring, you know, a Hail Mary knockout or submission from, from Sterling. And he was getting clocked, so I think Piotr Jan was trending towards finishing him. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, we're, we're going to see it again, and hopefully pretty soon. I mean, uh, Algermain got concussed, and, you know, that's another thing, too. Uh, dude was definitely not acting. So I, I kind of went through some phases, because I saw it happen live... Uh, cause I was watching the fight. Um, and, uh, it looked legit. It looked legit. And then I saw a lot of people saying he was acting. And then I was like, hmm, well, you know, I'm not God. I don't fuck, you know, only Aljamain knows if he was acting, but it looked pretty, it looked pretty real. Uh, but okay. I mean, I could be wrong. What do I know? So I went back and watched it and I was like, holy shit, Aljamain Sterling is acting. What the fuck? Like he's hamming it up. And, and, you know, whatever, but I don't, I don't think he was acting. You know, I watched it a few more times and I watched a great video. Uh, hopefully I can find it here. And, uh, cause I want, I want to shout the guy out. Cause I, I've seen some of his videos before, but he's like one of these doctor guys. And, you know, anytime there's like a, you know, it's like low calf kicks. Like that was a big talking point. Well, you know, why does, why does that happen? And, you know, whatever with like the perianal or peri... Perry something nerve and you know it's interesting to, to, to get a doctor's perspective uh on some of this some of this stuff but um uh yeah i can't find it whatever you, you, you probably could f- find it but uh yeah i know it, it was a great video and you know yeah it makes sense i mean you know sometimes when you're when you're concussed i mean people don't act you know because a lot of people made a big deal about like oh well alistair and when he got knocked out by Nganu got up quicker yeah, well, you know, every situation's a little a little more different, okay? You know, Sterling was, was gassed out, you know what I mean? The, uh, Overeem did not fight four and a half, damn near, well, three and a half, almost four rounds of of, of the fight up until that point, you know what I mean? So uh, there's a million different factors and, and, and variables and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, listen, you can look at the replay, okay? Look at the look at the replay, look at Piotr Jan lining up the knee, throwing the knee, and watch it in slow motion. Slow motion. Watch how fucking fast Aljamain Sterling's head whips back from the knee. Okay, like that. That would be some damn good fucking Roger the Alien slow motion type fucking acting if he if he really didn't get hit cleanly with that knee and just was faking it. Like ah, I'm sure his fucking brain sloshing around in his head was not faking it on that when his when his head gets whipped back. I mean you know what I mean so it, it was legitimate whatever I mean Russian fans are going to be mad whatever um, but uh, luckily Russian people's opinion you know it doesn't really matter too much because you know they lost the Cold War so nobody really cares what they have to say about stuff and you know it, it was legitimate No, and again nobody wants to see this happen but you know it, it's its a legitimate thing oh man fucking sparkling water is so good um, but, yeah, you know, it's not a good thing. But, like, okay. You know, I, I, every time I listen to Uncle Chael, he, he always says at least one thing that I've never considered and comes at comes at it from a, a different and interesting angle. But not just different and interesting, the correct angle. You know what I mean? He, he's just playing 8D chess. I mean, Uncle Chael really... You know, he he really forgets more than 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 people know, more than people can learn about about the sport of MMA and, and promoting and stuff like that. And uh you know, if you can't lose a fight due to DQ, why why wouldn't the champion just fucking you know, commit fouls and and get disqualified if he knew he was going to keep the belt? Why not just what, well, you know, if you know you can commit a foul and and injure your opponent intentionally and still keep the belt, why not just push Aljamain Sterling to the ground and fucking soccer kick his head into the fucking moon? You, you know what I mean? Like, so there would there, be no incentive to fight clean, because, you know, if, if you fight dirty and some shit happens, you still keep your belt. I mean, you know, there, there's no ambiguity about Aljamain becoming the champion. You can feel... You can feel bad for Piotr Jan, you could feel bad for Sterling, you could feel bad for the promotion, you could say it's not the best uh, outcome, and it's certainly not, but to to say that it's not legitimate or anything like that, like, I don't know, this is well established in, in the rules, everybody knows this, just like it's well established you can't knee a fucking guy in the head when he's down on fucking both knees, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, there's not too many, I actually, I actually was looking up the rules, for the UFC, and actually, actually, there is a fair amount of rules in the UFC. But really, of the big ones, like there's only a handful of rules that like everybody fucking knows is a no-no, and you just can't do them. You can't fucking grab the cage to stop a takedown. You can't fish hook somebody. You can't gouge out somebody's eyeballs. Uh, you you can't. Uh, I think I knew this, but I forgot about. It. I forgot that it was in the rule book. There's no small what do they say, small, small something, small digit, uh, manipulation, so, like, you can't just grab somebody's, you know, uh, pinky finger and snap it in half, uh, you know, that's a foul, so there's, oh, a small joint, there's no small joint manipulation, uh, you can't fish hook somebody if they have an open wound, and you can't fucking knee somebody in, in the fucking head, and there's other more, like, rare, esoteric, Things like you can't pick somebody up and throw them over the fucking cage, like you know Tank Abbott tried back in the day. But like, okay, man, like it's just a shitty situation. Whatever, you know. I, I think it's a good thing. I think the I, I think the rematch will do better numbers. You know, controversy is is good, and uh, you know I think people will you know people will realize that, and you know as time goes on in this little um, chapter of the bantamweight division, I think uh, you know to give people more perspective on on why that's true all right we're moving on here Uh, still on the main card we had a round three submission uh from islam makachev on drew dober oh i'm just bouncing around all over the place here okay so now i can look at the pound for pound rankings and a lot a lot of people shift in here so we had izzy at four he loses we move him down to six in the pound for pound rankings, and I think that's relevant because you know, you, you, I can't move you up in the or or keep you at the same spot in the pound for pound rankings if you fucking lose. So, Stepe Miacich moves from five to four. Jan Blahovic goes from ten to five. So every single champion is uh, is in the top nine. So that, that's how we do the pound-for-pound. Pound. Like, if you're if you're a champion of a division, you are in the top nine of the pound-for-pound. Pound. Like, that's just—or uh, or top ten, because we have one guy in there who's not a champ. But you know what I mean? If if you're a champ, we don't put you at 15 or some shit like that. Like, no, you have a belt. Um, so Jan was at 10. But, dude, if you beat the middleweight champion, like, it's like the fucking definition of pound-for-pound. Pound. So we move him up to five— uh, Volkanovski drops down from 6 to 7, and Gaunu from 7 to 8. Uh, Dustin Poirier actually moves up from 11 to 9. Uh, Davison moves from 9 to 10, and Pyotr Jan moves from 8 to 11. And Aljamain Sterling is not on the pound for pound list. Uh, I struggled with this because Aljamain is the champion, but it's just. I don't know man what do you guys think I should do you know I'm not saying what I did was correct but I don't know man can I put somebody on the pound for pound rankings if he wins a a, a championship due to DQ like he's definitely the champion but it's like ah and he was and he was losing the fight maybe if Aljamain was winning the fight at, at the time of the illegal knee I'd put him on there but fuck man it's just so hard and you know, am I supposed to move Piotr Jan off of the pound for pound just because he lost due to DQ? So I, I moved him down three spots because I think that's fair. You know, because it is a loss, it is a DQ. He's no longer the champion. You know, I don't, I don't know, but there's a lot of shuffling. Makes more sense if you check out our website and look at the numbers. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I did the right thing. But you know, only time will tell. Um, and then in the bantamweight division. Um, yeah, we move Sterling from number one to champ, Piotr Jan from champ to one, whole lot of changes at the, at the bottom of the division, but we'll get to those, um, as they become relevant. Um, yeah, moving, or yeah, continuing on here with, uh, Makachev and Dober, dominant performance from, uh, Makachev. I mean, he really is just, you know, the mini Khabib, you know, this guy can put a pressure on you that, uh, you know, not a lot of people can, uh, Survive, and you know, that's that's kind of how the fight finished. I mean, maybe Dober could have survived, but I think uh, Islam did a good job at just kind of drowning him, and uh, you know, eventually he, he got the finish. There's really not a whole lot more to, to say than that. You know, Dober's a tough opponent. Um, Islam's still gonna have one hell of a fucking time trying to climb that division because nobody's gonna want to face him. Um, I, I hope he goes up in the rankings significantly, but you know who knows? You never really know with what the UFC is going to do. Uh, we moved him up from 14 to 13. Uh, Diego Fajeda goes from 13 to 14. We did not have Drew Dober ranked. He was ranked, but again, guys come into the division like RDA and Chandler, and they just kind of push. You know people below them down the totem pole so dober deserves to be ranked but it's just you know due to some changes and you know the kind of tides of the ufc he was not ranked but he was certainly on a pretty good streak and uh you know that's a very respectable win for islam all right moving on here uh, on the main card opener we had a unanimous decision victory for alexander rakic over tiago santos um little bit of a snooze fest you know i'm not salty about it like some of the a lot of people were shitting on this fight uh and you know i I just say that matter of factly i don't have any feelings toward it i I like rackage i think rackage is a real problem i mean this this guy's the next wave of light heavyweights i mean he is fucking shredded he's dude i think he's way taller than six foot four this dude's fucking really tall really explosive but, you know, we we saw it in the win over Anthony Smith, which was a dominant win. You know, it was. You know, this one, was it a dominant win for Rakic? Uh, not not really, but it definitely was a win for him. Um, but he... I'm You know, I'm not saying he has to go out there and be Robbie Lawler, but he's, he's just a little bit too hesitant at times. He's a little bit too conservative at times. And, you know who who am I to critique him because it's been working for him so far. I mean, fuck, he's he's well, I guess I'll get to it. We moved him up to number 2 in the light heavyweight division, Santos down to 4. So, he's probably he's next in line behind Clover for a title shot. Maybe he still has to do some work with one more fight, but you know, he he is next in line. Um but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of just a recipe to get fucked over on a decision. You know, that, that's one of the things that judges seem to not uh, give you leeway on is uh, inactivity or, or or maybe that's too harsh of a of a way to to describe rackets. But you know, if if, if you don't put a if you don't put a solid output out there, you know, yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's a recipe to get fucked over on decisions. And this guy has finishing power, so you know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a step up in competition. That you know that that uh, you know he's just being a little more cautious. But you know, I, I, th- I think he's I think he is the real deal. Uh, I mean I, I really do, and I'd love to see him match up with uh, Blahovic. You know I'd feel a lot better about that matchup if you know Rakic had to get one more win, say over. Well shit, I don't know. He's number two, so <laughs> you know. There's nobody ahead of him other than Glover, who's going to get the next title fight. But you know, say he gets one more win over Dominic Reyes or Yuri Prohaska, I know these guys have fights, but just another win over a top contender and and maybe a finish. You know, then I'd I feel a lot better about Rakic um, and, and his chances at the title. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think he's one of those one of those sleepers there. I mean, th- this division was basically dead, uh, you know, just 18 months ago, but. You know, all, all this young talent coming in this division is uh, really setting it up for uh, uh, you know the, the the next generation to be you know really really exciting and kind of get back to those those days where uh, you had a new champ every fucking weekend. You know, to being I mean? back back in the days where you know I guess 2006 to 2011 uh, before John Jones came in and just you know absolutely settled that division down, but. You know, whether or not it's Rakic or Prohaska or Anka or, um, you know, Jimmy Croot. you know, there's no, there's no shortage of, of, you know, sub-28-year-old talent already in the rankings. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner. Uh, we had a split decision victory for Dominic Cruz over Casey Kenny. Um, that was not a split decision. That was a unanimous decision victory in my mind for Dominic Cruz. I think he won every single round. I'm not saying he won every single round 10-8. You know, I'm not saying it was the most dominant thing ever in each round, but I think he won every single, every single round, you know, but by what margin that's for you to decide. But, uh, I did not see that as a split decision. Uh, Dom looked good. He looked good. And, um, Casey Kenny is 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 young and he's a very credentialed guy. I think from judo. Um, the the matchmaking didn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, but you know I suppose if you're Dom, it's just good to get activity. You know, this is a guy who's fought twice in fucking five years. I mean, he got his first win in uh, Jesus in in like five or six years. So um, you know, it's good it's good to see him back. Uh, I still think he can be uh, a, a problem. I mean, I, I tend to agree with him. I think he got fucked over in, in, during that finishing sequence in that title loss to Cejudo. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not going to say he would have gone on to beat Cejudo, but, you know, I, I did think he got done a little dirty there by, uh, you know, full of nonsense Keith Peterson, Um but yeah, you know I think the most interesting part is is you know where does he go from here? You know for for Casey Kenny, it's just going back to fighting young up and commerce, maybe some people off the contender series, try to build your base back up, you know things like that. But for Cruz, I mean, I thought I thought his next fight should have been uh, Jose Aldo before this Casey Kenny fight. But you know I think that fight would make a lot of sense. I think um, Frankie Edgar, if he wanted to do it again, I think that would make a lot of sense, especially stylistically, because you know Edgar has had some some very bad knockout losses taking a lot of damage uh in his career i think I believe he has the most minutes in a UFC octagon um but I think that would be good Dom Cruz is not known for his fucking knockout power so I'm not saying the guy has pillow hands but uh, you know I-, I think that would be stylistically uh a, a tough one because I-, I would favor Dom Cruz uh you know I think dom Cruz would probably win a unanimous decision but you never can count Frankie out, and and, and again, there's you know he's not uh, he's not Cody Garbrandt or, or somebody who just has diamond dynamite in his fists. So I, I'd like that, but Dom Cruz looked good again. You know his style is gonna give. If Dom Cruz fought till he was 45, you know his his style is just gonna give people problems. That that fucking herky jerky, fuck I, I don't know if we'll ever see that style again. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he came up with it but it fucking works for him. You know, it's it's wild. Uh you just fucking square standing square with a person and just ah it's it's fucking it's it's crazy, but you know, he, he looked good. Uh he you know, he threw a handful of really nice uh head kicks. Uh, I thought that was uh an interesting uh dimension of his game and you know, yeah, he he, he just he, he looked good. He looked uh he looked a lot younger than than 35. So you know, I know they said that on the broadcast that, uh, well, Dominic Cruz is uh, he's a young 35, you know, uh, he hasn't been taking a lot of damage because he hasn't been fighting a lot. Yeah, but he hasn't been fighting a lot because he tears his ACL every six months. So I, I fucking, I love the guy, but I don't, I don't know if he's a young 35. I think he's just a 35, you know what I mean? Yeah, he hasn't had, you know, the punches to the head as much the last, you know, five years, but he's had a lot of fucking injuries, you know what I mean? So it's not... He's not a spring chicken. He's definitely on the back nine of, of his of his fucking career. But uh, you know, I still think I still think he can be a legitimate title contender. I have no idea how many more fights he's gonna have. I'd uh, you know, if I had to put a number on it, yeah, probably less than four. You know what I mean? But hey, go out there, beat somebody higher in the rankings, beat another guy higher in the rankings, and you know, maybe you get another title shot. I mean, he is a legend in my opinion. He's the best bantamweight uh, of all time. Or, or maybe, maybe I should say the, the greatest bantamweight of all time. So you know he he's going to have some shortcuts if he wants to because he's uh, he's a brand name. He, you know what I mean? People know who who he is. So uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to see what he does. All right, moving on. We had another bantamweight fight here between Kyler Phillips and Song Yadong. Uh, awesome performance by Kyler Phillips it, it, when it mattered the most, too. I mean, th- this is this is crazy. He, uh, I, I want to start this fight with the rankings because he blasted into the fucking rankings here. And this this is the bantamweight division. This is the toughest, deepest division in the UFC, in my opinion. Obviously, there's a lot of divisions that that would give it a run for its money. You know, like like lightweight and welterweight, and hell, even even featherweight's pretty darn good. But for my money, the bantamweight division is the best division in the UFC. And Kyler Phillips just blasted his fucking way in there. He's We have him at, at number 12. Song Yadong was 13. Phillips beat him. So he, at the minimum, keeps uh, his, his 13 ranking. And then, you know, because of some shuffling we did, uh, he goes to 12. So, dude's already on the fucking doorstep of the goddamn top 10. Uh, and, and not to make it seem like he took a shortcut because, you know, he had to go out there and beat a guy who had that ranking, but, you know, it's, it's crazy, that's a pretty quick, uh, ascent for, uh, for the guy, so, uh, he looked good, he was cracking, I mean, he made Song Yedong eat some head kicks that, uh, probably would have put out a small fucking bear, I mean, he was throwing some Julian Marquez fucking Cuban Missile Crisis on, uh, Phil Hayes type of fucking head kicks, some Crow Cop style head kicks, uh, if you know what I mean, but, uh, yeah, he, he can crack. He can he can wrestle as well. It was a ve- it was a very impressive uh, performance, uh, and you know you can't count uh, Song Yudong out because he's like 17 years old. So you know he's still got you know a, a long a long career ahead of him. But you know that was definitely a step up in competition for for Kyler Phillips. I mean, he was two zero in the UFC before that. He had a win over Gabriel Silva. Okay, nobody's ever heard of him and Cameron Else i've never heard of that guy so i, I don't know I, I definitely questioned the matchmaking i was like what the fuck the, the, I, some guy who's so far out of the rankings we're gonna put him in there against song yedong but you know that, that that's that's the brilliance and and the the fun uh parody of the sport is you know turns out most people were wrong kyler phillips you know won the fight and uh you know now he, now he's in a now he's in a, a good spot great uh, fucking great spot um I want look a little bit here at some of the stats I feel like there are a couple of interesting metrics here uh in this one um yeah out outstruck him or no excuse me he got outstruck but he did he did land the three takedowns um okay maybe 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 the stats weren't as interesting as I thought but um yeah know great great performance for for Kyler Phillips and you know, not, Now you're in the deep end. Now, now you're in the deep end because any, anybody that you're going to face, uh, if you go up three spots or if you go down three spots at bantamweight, anybody you're going to face is going to be uh, a, a real challenge. A real challenge. Uh, moving on, we had a flyweight fight between Askar, Askarov, and Joseph Benavidez. Uh, Askarov won this one pretty dominantly. Uh, I think some of the judges scored it at 30-26. I don't know about that. I don't think there was a 10-8 in this fight, but every round was clearly won by Askar Askarov. Uh, He looked good, and I was a little concerned about... uh, Now, I picked Benavides to win this fight, but I was a little concerned for Askar Askarov's sake when he weighed in at 127 and declined to go back and cut the remaining weight uh, which he probably could have done, but you know, maybe his, he, it must have been his coaches. You know, told him, "Hey, that's not a smart thing to do." You know, anytime somebody misses weight, uh, that concerns me, especially when it's that close and they don't want to go back. That makes me see. That, that, that makes me think that Askar was right at the brink, and he literally could not cut one more pound. So I was feeling pretty good about old Joey B because. Uh, you know if somebody's gonna I mean maybe it wasn't that bad maybe it was just a smart strategic decision not to fucking cut the cut the remaining weight although not a, not a smart decision for your bank account especially probably what he's getting paid to, to fight at flyweight but uh, no great performance I mean he, he really mixed up uh, his striking I like his, uh, I like his front kick I like a good front kick I think that's uh, uh, an underutilized uh, strike you know, it creates uh, distance and, and, and things like that. So, no, he looked really good. And, you know, you got to feel a little bad for, for Joey B. As I fucking punch my microphone. Um, you know, you feel a little bad for Joey B. Because, you know, what he was saying in the lead up to the fight was, you know, things like... I don't know how long I'm going to fight. I'm just going to fight uh, whenever, I, kinda whenever I want at my own pace. I know I'm not getting another title shot. And I'm going to do it as long as it's fun, as long as I'm not, you know, taking damage and having fun. And it sure as fuck looked like in this fight he was not having fun, and he was definitely taking damage, and he he lost. So I don't know how long, uh, how much longer Benavidez is, is, is going to do it. I would hate to see him go out on a loss. You know, I, I, I really think if he won this fight, he was going to retire. I know everything he said, but uh, there, there's nothing left for him to do in this sport. Uh, maybe he just needs a paycheck, which I'm not trying to say that in a demeaning or a, a denigrating way. It's just, you know, a financial reality. You know, maybe he needs a paycheck. Maybe he just likes the challenge. Whatever whatever reason, as long as he has a reason, you know, then that's that's good enough for me. Or if he doesn't have a reason, I don't fucking give a shit. I, I couldn't fucking care less. Um, but, you know, I don't know. You, you kind of hate to see that happen to uh, such a good guy, but you know the sport. The sport does pass you by, and I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom necessarily with with Joseph Benavides, but you know he is 36 years old. That is very old for for flyweight, and uh, you know I, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know what I don't know what he wants to get out of the sport at uh, at this point. So you know we'll we'll keep an eye on benavidez and and you know kind of kind of see what plays out uh you know with with regards to the the last you know fight or two that he's that he's gonna have but you know for for Ascar you know that's that's a big win you know joseph benavidez i've said it before that joseph benavidez is the best ufc fighter to never win a championship uh When it comes to what he's done in the UFC Like you know know, because I always say Overeem is the best overall Fighter to never become UFC champion But obviously he spent the majority of His career outside of the UFC You know Joseph Benavides has Beat everybody (coughs) Excuse me in that division Except for the champs So uh, you know Even if he kind of Got clowned and punked In those two fights with Figueredo uh, the, the UFC still has a, a lot of respect for him And uh, I think he's one of those guys uh, Although not a lot of people have gotten past him So we haven't seen it too much But I feel like he's one of those guys Kind of like an RDA You know, guys like that Like a Cowboy Cerrone Where it's a very good litmus test for Dana White He has a lot of respect for those guys And if you uh, if you beat that guy You know, good things are going to happen You know what I mean? Kind of like um, Uh Usman. Usman beat uh, RDA and, and then he got a crack at the belt. You know what I mean? So you, you beat Benavidez, obviously he is at number two, so you have a very, very good claim to just get a title shot anyway. But you know, you beat a respectable guy like that, that's a resume moment. And um yeah, I think sooner sooner rather than later As- Ask is gonna fight for the belt. Obviously we gotta get through the rematch between Figueroa and Moreno. But after that, yeah, I think it's Askarov, and you know, I guess you always have the looming threat of uh, Cody Garbrandt going down to one twenty five, but you know I don't know how much of a reality that is. You know, I I, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's a talking point. It could be a real thing, but you know, again, I don't think Ascar's going to have to wait too long. Nor do I think he has to do anything else. I think you just got to sit here and keep training. And you know, you beat Pantoja. He was probably a top five guy at the time. You beat Benavidez, top two guy at the time. So you know the 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 case for a title shot is already well established at at this point so uh just more of a wait and see mode for Askar asgarov um let's see here yeah okay so just finishing up on the bantamweight division uh we have dominic cruz moving from 11 to 10 cody stamen from 12 to 11 kyler phillips from not ranked to 12 mirab de walashvili from 13, oh, he stays put here at 13. Hafaela Sunsao goes from 10 to 14, and Song Yedong goes from 13 to 15, and then uh, Casey Candy goes from 15 to not ranked. So, yeah, we pushed down Hafaela Sunsal pretty fucking far. I mean, I had him, I had him up there for for a while, but the the, the more I thought about it, the more it, it makes sense to put him down at 14. Uh, it's quite a drop there for uh, old uh, Rafael's son, Sal, who does have a win over Jorge Hospital, I think back in 2015 uh, on the regional scene over there in, uh, I think, Georgia is where the fight took place. But uh, yeah, a lot of changes there. And then obviously, you know, in the, in the flyweight division, um, we, we just flipped Askar and, and Joseph, two and three. Uh, I'll try to pick up the pace here, cause uh, you know there were some pretty good fights on the prelims, but uh, uh, you know they—I don't know—I don't know. We got to be a little mindful of our our time here, but uh, yeah, we'll move on here to another flyweight fight. It was a round one knockout for Kai Kara France over Hagerio Uh Yeah, it was a very visually appealing knockout. You know, it was solid power there, especially for flyweight. You don't see a whole lot of knockouts and you know Bontarine kind of falling over face first um you know it's it's what uh it's it's what uh Cara France needed you, you know he's he's had a couple of setbacks you know his career could go one of two ways uh and you know getting getting the knockout win you know he's starting to trend up back uh, back the other way so uh, I, I can't I, i'm not going to sit here and and spend 5 minutes pretending to know what that means for his career i, I, I frankly i don't really care too much about about you know flyweights so you know it was a good win for him tough tough loss for Bontorin and uh, we'll move on from there uh, we have a unanimous decision victory for Tim Elliott over Jordan Espinoza um, not really a notable fight I don't even think I really watched it I think I was in the car driving over to the locomotives house to watch the pay-per-view in a 100% legal manner and um, yeah, the only interesting thing I saw from this fight, uh, was Tim Elliott was calling Jordan Espinoza, uh, something bad. I don't want to, I don't want to say, cause I honestly don't remember exactly what he said and I don't want to, I don't want to misquote somebody, uh, but it was something really bad involving women or something. I have no idea if that was true. I, I didn't really research it cause, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, Got a limited time and shit like that, but uh, that's interesting. Tim Elliott was definitely beating his ass uh, dur- during some of the some of the scenes that I I was seeing. So uh, yeah, that's you know maybe I will look into that and report back tomorrow. But I have nothing more to say at at, at this time. Did not watch the fight. All right, we had a round two knockout from Kennedy. Oh man. I heard his name pronounced, but fuck me, I'm so bad at saying it. Enzachukwu, Kennedy Enzachukwu, Enchukwu Enzachukwu. God, I'm so bad. I'm so bad at. I, I heard it a million times on the fucking pre-fight and the post-fight. Kennedy N uh, knocks out Carlos Alberg. I also did not watch this fight because I was uh, in my car. Um, but I did see the finishing uh, strike. Ah, fucking bounced around Alberg's head. And, you know, I, apparently this was a very good fight. I'm, I am going to go back and watch this on uh, on the replay. But this is what I really hate seeing. And I, I said this is the worst case scenario uh, on the prelim show that Carlos Alberg loses because boy, there's not a lot of 3-0 fighters that, you know, just have a bunch of success in the UFC. I hate to see fighters come here too soon because a lot of times you don't get a second chance or if you do, it's it's not with the same aura or sincerity. Um, so, you, you hate to see it. This is why we don't let 3-0 fighters in the UFC, which let's just not do that, okay? Uh, I, I guess sometimes we get a Cyril gone, but sometimes we also get a Juan Adams, like, or a Justin Taffa, or, or just, like, boy, like, fuck me. You could put Conor McGregor in, in the UFC at 3-0, and you know, back whenever he was 3-0, and it's like, yeah, he's probably going to get his ass fucking beat and kicked out of the UFC because he didn't have the, you know, the, the right seasoning. He didn't have the, the experience in the cage. I understand. Hey, I understand this is the Stylebender's training partner. Okay, well, should we put the man's fucking Uber Eats driver in, in, in the fucking octagon? Should we, put the, should we put Israel Adesanya's fucking tailor in the octagon? Like, okay, he's his training partner. Well, is he good? Is he good? Can he win in the UFC? Well, fucking evidently not. And I, and I don't want to bury the guy, nor do I wish him any ill will. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Whatever happens with his career happens. But it's like, okay, well, I hate I hate identifying a potential problem and then the problem manifesting itself, and then it's just like, ah, whatever. Carlos Alberg lost. Yeah, not not fucking really. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, again, fucking Conor McGregor didn't come to the UFC until he was like fourteen and two, like. You can't just take somebody and put them in the UFC when they're 3-0. Like, they would have to be really fucking special. John Jones didn't even come to the UFC when he was fucking 3-0. and Like, what, what, what the fuck are we doing here? I, I, I get everybody's different and, you know, all, the, all those fucking cliches you could rattle off, but it's like, well, uh, it was a fucking stupid move. A really fucking dumb move. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Uh, moving on, we had a submission in round three for Sean Brady over Jake Matthews. Uh, good win for Sean Sean Brady. That guy's going to be a problem. Very, very good BJJ practitioner. Very good on the ground. He, he looks massive. He looks very massive for 170. And, you know, Jake Matthews has kind of been flying under the radar recently. He was on a pretty respectable win streak. I think he was in the UFC since he was 20 years old, back in, like, 2014. Uh, so he's been around for a very long time. He's had, he's had a lot of fights uh, in, in the UFC, and, uh, you know, we had him... Ranked at number fifteen, so you know we put Sean Brady in there at number fifteen now, and uh, you know that's one of those guys to to watch out for, and not just watch out for, you know, three years from now. I think that uh, you know really quickly that guy could be doing some some pretty big things uh, in that division. Although it is it is a stacked division, but you know I think that's a guy to watch out for. He does have some of the worst tattoos I have ever seen, especially his back piece. Apparently, a lot of people were saying, uh, "You know, wow, that's the that's the most badass tattoo in the UFC." Yeah, if by badass mean you you mean fucking terrible, if, if by badass you mean drawn on by a toddler, then yeah, I agree. That's a that's a badass tattoo. Some of the fucking worst tattoos I've I've ever seen. That back piece is just inexcusable. I mean, you you just got to get clowned for that. I don't even I don't know what it's supposed to be. Some sort of japanese style tattoo or, or or whatever but uh yeah just i'd be i would be embarrassed to have that tattoo so whatever i'm not a i'm not a, you know i'm not uh i'm not i'm not a judge on ink master but you know <laughs> it looks really bad really fucking bad all right we will move on here Uh, to the women's strawweight division where Amanda Lemos beat Lavinia Souza uh, knocked her out in round number one really a TKO Uh, really good performance by Amanda Lemos Um, she does break into the rankings I think we have her at number 15 Uh, but I can go and double check oh no we have her at 14 now so not from not ranked to 14 Jandarova. From uh, 14 to 15, and then Souza from 15 to not ranked. Uh, great performance, um, very very good jab, uh, very dangerous striker. Uh, definitely was tagging Souza, uh, and you know seemed to want to take the fight to the ground. I think that's one of the things that she probably can improve. Uh, if I can humbly say so, as someone who has never stepped into the octagon, um, but you know the the fight IQ maybe you know maybe it could get a little higher i mean if you hurt somebody on the feet you probably don't want to go to the ground probably just have them stand up i mean if you you know that's one of my pet peeves in the ufc that i've noticed is oh flurry punch 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 i'm gonna hurt this person and then once i hurt them i'm gonna clinch up why that's exactly what they would want you to do they would they, they would try to clinch you if you're hurt you try to clinch somebody Because then you can't get fucking punched as easily. So it's like, if you hurt somebody on the feet, do not clinch them. Do not clinch them. If you hurt somebody on the feet, do not take them down. If you hurt them on the feet, that means you can hurt them on the feet. So why don't, if you just did it five seconds ago, how about you do it again? Because we know you can do it. I mean, honestly, unless you're like Khabib, where it's like, okay, well, obviously Khabib wants to take the fight to the ground. Obviously, he's the best fucking... You know UFC grappler of all time So you know unless you're Unless you're Damian Maya or Fucking Khabib or You know Ben Askren or something Like if you hurt him on the feet just let Him stand up don't go to the ground that's what They would they they, they would want To do that so uh, But it, but it worked out in favor of Lemos uh, Merciful stoppage uh, Which I, th- I Think was fair she was taking a little Damage but uh, yeah Good performance there by Amanda Limos. Alright, moving on. The second fight here on the early prelims. We had a round one TKO from Urosh Medic on Elon Cruz. Uh yeah, really good performance by Urosh Medic. Uh I don't know what the fuck that ref was was thinking. He let him take a lot of punches to the head. Uh, I want to see what the final stats were because I remember they showed the graphic, and again, it's an unofficial, you know, graphic. But it was like, oh, Medic, forty-six punches to Alon Cruz's zero, and it's like, uh, yeah, a lot of unanswered punches there. Oh, okay, so <laughs> he finished that fight with fifty-five strikes to Cruz's zero. Cruz did not land a single strike in in that in that fight. And uh, 43 of those significant strikes, which would be 96%, were to the head. Just punching him straight in the fucking head. Probably could have stopped it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's not like it was Thomas Gifford versus Mike Davis or, or whatever. But it's you know, it's like. I don't know. At some point, if the person's not really fighting back and just kind of doing the bare minimum and shifting positions, and when there's a little bit of a break, doesn't stand up, just covers his head, yeah, we probably could stop it. I mean, like, are you not going to stop it until you see him go limp? Like, we don't we don't have to fight to the death. We don't have to fight until someone's unconscious. We can, you know, we can stop it early. And I'm not saying an early stoppage, but, you know, I'm saying early in comparison to losing your fucking consciousness. Like very very obvious you know probably f- 30 seconds uh into the fight that that medic was was uh gonna win and uh that that cruz was taking too many punches to the head but you know i don't know whatever hopefully cruz is all right you know it didn't get actually ko'd but you know that's one hell of a ufc performance for uh for for medic i mean that's somebody to watch out for and all right we'll move on to the uh final fight here the prelim opener it was a round two ko or or tko i guess from trevin jones on mario batista you know a lot of people were really high on mario batista coming into this fight obviously trevin jones had the uh the come from behind (laughs) officially no contest come from behind no contest on um timor valiev um well, yeah, another good performance uh, kind of a weird uh, punch that he threw kind of a hybrid there between an uppercut and, and a hook um, but yeah he, he fucking cracked him he, he cracked him and that's tough to see because you know Mario Batista has one hell of a mullet which you don't really see a whole lot um, you know blared that uh, 80s 80s rock on his uh, intro so seems like an interesting fella that I'd like to, to, to know more about but uh, you know Good performance there from Trevin Jones in what was officially his first UFC victory. Alrighty, I think that's everything here. We got to the rankings, we got to the main card showdown, we got to the recap. So, uh, with that, we'll look to wrap it up here. So, uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at north Northstar Sports on Twitter at NorthstarMIN. Uh, you gotta check out our rankings and and all the great uh, content we put on our website. And with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.